Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Katie, Katie, are you a coffee drinker? I am. Oh, yeah. I never what used you, to be. Really? Is this a I pandemic new thing or? No, or a port, this is I a, just moved to Portland thing. <laughs> I mean, this does sound like a very Portland thing, but this is going to sound really, I'm going to sound like a pretentious asshole, but I didn't drink coffee until I lived in Italy. <laughs> Oh, sure. They like force fed me espresso every day. They're like, you have to drink it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, but I'll just pour three teaspoons of sugar into these tiny espresso shots. You're like, I'll just have an affogato every time, please. Just uh, ice cream and espresso for me. Uh, Thanks. Thank you. That's great. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, that is the way. Oh my God. Yeah. That is the way to be introduced. <laughs> Just don't even have like your ugly, like Dunky Doos, you know, Dunkin' Donuts years. Like you don't need that. If you can start at the top of the mountain, you know, and, and then just stay there. Good for you. I'm, I'm currently Didn't in a coffee there. rut, Andrea. I, I, coffee rut? I'm in a coffee oh, no. rut. What's that mean? Uh, my espresso maker's broken. It has oh, no. been. Oh. And Sean's a French press guy. Which yeah, yeah. You and Brian are French press we, all the we way. We press. We press. They press yeah. They're pressers, right? We're pressers. We press. I, it just takes we too press. long. We press. We don't push. We don't push. We press. <laughs> Got it. Got it. But I'm just like, I'm I'm so tired of making it in the morning. I, I, my espresso machine was like, boom, I just pulled a beautiful shot. Here's the only reason why the press is like so good for us. It's because we like have water delivered to the house. Mm-hmm. We have like a, a water cooler, which is like not very aesthetically pleasing. But I'll tell you how <laughs> it is fucking pleasing is that when they're grind my coffee in the burr grinder, uh, that the hot water is ready to go. And I just fucking dump it in. I don't have oh. to boil it. I don't have to put what? it on a flame. It is like already warm and ready to go. And okay. it's that's why that's why it's working for you i'm so fucking over it i'm also like i've been like should i do the pour over should be not but it's too many steps for me in the morning oh my god yeah no ricardo my partner does that every morning and it's like five minutes i'm like uh good for you but i cannot wait that long for Hey guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. <laughs> I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin. And joining us today on Sidework is host of one of our partnering podcasts, Copper and Heat for One Star Podcast Network. Please welcome Katie Osuna, everybody. Hi, Katie. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked. Oh my God. I'm so happy we're finally, finally doing this. Uh, I love that we're just already like ranting about coffee and how we feel about it. What a, what a world we live in, but it's a very specific thing, how you want it, how you evolve into it. I like my coffee, how I like my coffee. And as much as, you know, like during the pandemic and quarantine, one of my, one of my few little treats and and ways that I would venture out of the house is like, I'm going to go to the local Mm. spot. And for my second coffee of the day, I can't be seen first for like, they don't, they don't (laughs) need to see me for first coffee. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm pretty committed to second coffee of the day. I'll I'll go support lemon poppy or whatever. But, um, it is just like, it's a whole thing making all your, like always getting coffee made at home in the morning now versus grabbing it on the way or whatever. It's, I don't know. I've, I've had a couple different iterations of, how I take my drug, but you know, <laughs> it's true. It's very true. I, you know, I, where I work, we recently moved locations. And prior to that, we had, Oh God, I had oh, yeah, blue five, bottle. five different mm-hmm. coffee shops at my disposal within like wow. a two block radius. And now it's a little bit of a coffee desert, if you will, where I'm at now. <laughs> so sad. And, 
And it's fine. I just bring my big, like, you know, my big jug of coffee with me to work in the morning and sip on it all day. But I really do miss like a little like nice iced Americano situation in the middle of the day. So I still miss it. Can I tell you that? And I don't think I'm going to keep doing it, but I got so crazy angry at the French press that Instagram advertising got me. And there's this product called Jot. Have you seen it? No. Jot. Mm -hmm. So I'll show it to you, but it comes in like um, a tiny, it looks like hair care product or something like a really precious, you know, bartender would keep his tincture in, but it's like Mm -hmm. super, super, super coffee concentrate. And you literally just take one teaspoon, put it in your cup, fill the rest with fucking oat milk. And it is like a strong as fuck, creamy, delicious iced latte. Oh, no. So it's like you're making your... I know. (laughs) So it's like you're making your cold brew a little bit. Or, I mean, have you seen like the cold brew machines that you can like soak your coffee in and there's a little filter on the bottom? And then you can make your concentrate, concentrate that way. Then you just add water to it. Wow. Also a, good, a good idea. Anyway, let's get, should we, oh, should let's we get stop into talking it. about coffee? Um, no, I okay. started it. It's my fault. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> let's get into a little bit of, you know, top of show pre-shift, you guys. Uh, we're here with Katie. As you guys know, One Star Network is out there for you guys to listen to. We have Woo-hoo. Copper and Heat, which we'll talk about today. And pull you guys in so you can go over and listen to that. Modern Waiter, we have In Your Mouth, we have Confessions of a Server, Macaroni Zone. Oh boy, so many fun new shows to listen to, Brooke. Yes, and uh, obviously please come on over and join our Patreon if you want. We're sorry that we were definitely a little lax with content this last month trying to get a network off the ground, but we're back. We just posted a brand new I don't know what we're going to call it. We're calling it shift drink where we have yeah, a guest like, join us. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, I think server submitted shift drink, I think is another thing we we're bopping around, but yeah, James Dunn came on over and just basically told us like a classic story of his uh, days of being in the service industry. And I Brooke for one felt like I was like at a post shift, like getting a little tipsy with you guys at the end, having so much fun. <laughs> It, it brought feels because James and I really, even though neither of us have worked at the spot we were both talking about, I mean, the memories, the time and place, the whole thing, like we can talk for days about that job we had together. So it was super fun. It's, it's like, I don't remember most of my life, but I remember all the restaurant stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fact. (laughs) I was like anyone who has wronged me. Um, Mm. where it, you know, came to getting tipped or not. I'm like, I remember you. You're burned into my brain forever. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget. Oh, can I say, uh... I went out to eat. I went to lunch on Monday. I Very exciting. the first. I met like a, we met other vaccinated people and we sat and we had a meal outside wow. and it was lovely. Um, but the place that we went to, it, I was just like, you guys are fucking setting yourself up for success. Looks like in the past there used to be like two bathrooms, uh, one male, one female, whatever. But now one is for employees only. And one is for everybody else. And I was like, oh, God, this is brilliant. You guys are fucking killing it over here. And then, of course, they have like a um, two hour limit on bottomless mimosas. And in, in huge letters, it says, like, we'll kick you out if you act like a two year old. Like, they're just they're <laughs> not they're not they're not holding back <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Kate, Katie, what's the temperature? Have you felt safe venturing out in Portland? I haven't gotten eaten at a restaurant yet in Portland. We've been here for two months yeah, now, I yeah. think. And we've like gone and gotten takeout and stuff, totally. which has been great. But I'm getting vaccinated next week and I'm oh, so fucking excited to go and sit on a patio and eat. Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait to have somebody else cook and it like bring it out to me fresh from yeah. the kitchen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Here's a fistful of money. Thank you for everything. (laughs) Yes, 50%, 60%. (laughs) I know. I actually, I, I, that would be really fun to go get a really crisp stack of ones just so you could do like a. (laughs) Make it rain. Yep. Well, let's pop into some headlines, shall we? Yeah. And both headlines today are coming from New York State. 
So this first headline is fucking incredible. High school entrepreneurs pilot a roaming <laughs> cheese bus. Yes. Okay. So essentially these two 17 year olds um, had to come up with I, like this, a business as you do in high school, you have the classes that you take where you're like, come up with a business. Will it make any money? Will it not? And again, this, they're upstate New York near the finger lakes. And they were like, huh, I wonder if people would like want, cheese if we go around on our bikes or get a bus because we're in a wine country and people like want cheese with their wine so maybe we should just drive around and sell cheese to people and what I say is why didn't I think of this (laughs) I cannot dream I mean this is a dream this is like this is going to this will change everything can you imagine just be like yes I'm definitely like in wine country having a nice time oh I got the hungries I'm hungry I don't want to do a cheese plate here I want to bring my own or picnic and then you look in the distance and there's just like a bus painted like cheese and you go buy the cheese from them oh I'm I'm I can't take it it's so great all I can say is this neighborhood has I know this is such a cliche, but it's just such a serial killer ice cream truck over here <laughs> in Glassdale Park. And literally the truck only has Christmas music. So it's playing like, oh, holy night <laughs> while it crawls through the neighborhoods. Uh, there is an ice cream truck in my neighborhood that does that in the middle of the summer. All they have is Christmas music. <laughs> it's I'm just like, can we all get a GoFundMe together for a new soundtrack for this? You know, but so the idea of a truck roaming through and I mean, if they're good, smart, entrepreneurial, you know, high school seniors moving on with a big business, they're going to have a a range of prices. If you just want a wedge, you know, something and they should have like a little accoutrement that, you know, if you need like a tiny little cutting board. Yeah, absolutely. Do you need like, do you, yeah, do we have wine openers, artisanal sodas? They're going to an entrepreneurial competition in Tennessee That is uh, in June that they could win $5,000. And I tell you what if there was a cheese truck i would chase a cheese truck down the street <laughs> the way can yes. i scream for cheese i do um yeah <laughs> i wheeze for cheese because i run and i'm like <gasps> after i'm done running so i'm wheezing for che- wheeze for cheese you get it brooke i, I get it it's, it's the high cholesterol because <laughs> we eat too much cheese <laughs> It's yeah, so so it messes up your bronchial area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're so excited. We want to follow this story as it goes. But yeah, it sounds like if they can get this plan, you know, hatched, that they want to establish multiple cheese trucks across the Finger Lakes region. And then you call Old Brook and Andrea and we will franchise a cheese truck over Hello, here. I'll drive a cheese truck. 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 I know. <laughs> Are we back in the part of the pandemic where we're considering opening a food truck again? Because that was the early <laughs> pandemic for me. I was like, I think we're going to try and start a food truck. I don't fucking know what to do with my life. <laughs> I don't know. And now we're Probably. back. I mean, you could sell cheese and then you could have specials. Like you could do a cheese, have your cheese always and have like the refrigerated picnic-y section, but then be like, guess what? We also got a Coney dog today, which is super easy <laughs> to slap together and have specials. Katie, that Katie, would Katie will help us. Katie, yes. she's right there with us. I know. And there's no way that something like that wouldn't succeed in Portland. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Yes. Like, just like, park and I'm it also thinking of the area. park. Like, oh area, yeah, they would go fucking crazy for that. And like the little, have you seen those little cones, like the paper cones with the meat sliced meats in there too? Like do a little yes. charcuterie cone. Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh my those God. give oh. me like Italy feels like the cones that have all the little fried seafood in it. Ooh, that you yeah. just eat it with a big toothpick. Mm-hmm. You just put that big mm-hmm. toothpick for the charcuterie in there. Ready to roll. Wow. These high school kids got to come to the West coast. It's, it's time for trucks to have things I actually want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> It's time. Um, Okay, so this is another fun headline that got me feeling all sorts of feels. Uh, So apparently this debuted back in um, 
February, the doors were able to open. But if any of you have ever lived in New York, New York, or ridden the subway along the one line at the 28th uh, Avenue station, not, or sorry, 28th Street station at 7th Avenue, now you go down the subway stairs and there is a door to the right that now is the home to a tiny speakeasy that lives on the subway platform. Wow. What? My brain is exploded. So this is the brainchild of uh, a bar and dance club owner in Brooklyn. Um, I didn't know him. I don't think I'd been to. I know what Kinfolk was and I've been there, but I never met Jay Perry. Might just be Jay Perry. I put a little spin on that for fun. But <laughs> this, this speakeasy is called Lenox. And basically... You know, this came about because he lived in Tokyo for six years. And so I'm always thinking, I don't have personal experience, but when you see it, you're like, everything's like this underground subterranean. There are just hidden gems down the stairs this way, please. Yeah. And I think people have to get really creative because like, there's not a lot of room, you know? Right. And that... So, I mean, I'm, there's already like a 500 person or a 900 person deep waiting list to get in um, wow. because they oh can only God. do, they can only do 15 people at a time because of wow. COVID and you can't really air that space out because you are underground indoors. You know, that's like yeah. two layers of non-COVID friendly um, air, air situations. <laughs> but, uh, prior to February, he, they were just like down there, like, just imagine how delightful coming down the subway steps or coming back up after a long day of work. And then this little window was open and they were doing like fresh press pressed juices, sandwiches. If you ordered food, then you could also buy their craft to go cocktails with it and to like walk up, you know, to your apartment or the nearest corner, like the local drunk and crack it open and eat a sandwich and have some open in talks. But I'm really get, I'm really pining for experiences like this again. I'm really at the point where I'm double vaxxed and I'm like, let's fucking party. Yes. I want to go to secret clubs. I want to be on a list. I want to go do it. Like, <laughs> I'll pay whatever for that drink. I don't give a fuck. Like that's how I feel right now. Yeah. Um, how yes. fun. How fun. And I love, like, I, hopefully more will spring up. I mean, this Ugh. reminds me, I love, this reminds me of, like, during, like, the club kid days when they would go, like, turn a subway car or a train station, like, into a rave. Like, those are the feels <laughs> I'm getting from this speakeasy. And it's honestly, to me, I'm like, how has this never it's crazy. Think of all the weird little nooks and crannies that are just existing in those subway tunnels. There are a bunch of rooms that have generators in them. Sure. I'm sure they run the subway, but we can always <laughs> smash in a little, uh, you know, another little speakeasy down there. Like it's so authentic and rustic. The sound <laughs> of the boiler room that we're drinking next to. That's so um, great. a little follow-up uh headline to our 24-hour diners uh episode oh, interesting last okay week. so this is and this is all this is back from 2017 so it's not current but i just came upon it and i had never heard it before so this is coming to you from across the pond namely ireland uh britain um when britain was still part of the eu uh Select McDonald's play classical music for drunk customers is the headline. So basically what happens, uh, I don't know if it's still happening after a certain time of night. And we did do a little shout out to fast food workers having to work around the clock and like the, you know, ins and outs and shenanigans that they have to navigate through a third shift. Um, but, you know, for people getting so goddamn rowdy and being so wasted in these McDonald's specifically, they would pipe in Bach, Mozart, <laughs> chill classical music in hopes to literally tame savage beasts, drunken <laughs> savage beasts who want French fries and Big Macs at 3 a.m., uh, which I thought was pretty amazing information to know and thought that everybody else should know it too. <laughs> did, did you have a 24 hour hang back in, uh, back in the day, Katie? Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm trying to think like, I'm trying to think like when, what talk? I feel like, of course I'm thinking of like high school me. 
totally in a Taco Bell parking lot. Or think, I mean, which is who hasn't been, who did dead last night? Me. Uh, it was Del Taco that we all know I prefer Del Taco. But um, That's fair, fair. It's very fair. Or like I'm thinking of like, we just closed down service, Katie. Long night of, you know, getting some tickets in the window. Where do the, where does the chef go for the late night grub? God, I don't even, there was... So the most recent place I was working at, I guess the second most recent, was in Los Gatos, California. And so there's like not a lot open late. It's like the bar where there's no food and Jack in the Box, which is honestly where I would stop on my way home, not eat for 12 hours and right? <laughs> slam back about 4,000 calories of Jack in the Box. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to have all apps. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Some tacos, some jalapeno poppers, just everything. Anyway, so like I'm trying or like I would eat a bunch of Trader Joe's frozen shit when I got home. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so well, like, yeah. there wasn't a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you, like the 24 hour place that has a decent bite to eat. It's it's a brilliant business plan. So mm. um, we'll want to move into some server submitted stories. All right, guys, first story today. Hey, ladies, loved your 24-hour diner episode as always. It reminded me of when I was freshly 21 and got a job as a brunch hostess at the Five Point Cafe, the notorious and longest operating 24-hour diner bar in Seattle. Its slogan is alcoholic serving alcoholic since 1929. <laughs> <laughs> to paint a picture, the diner side has the classic black and white tiling and counter service and uh, was underage friendly. The bar side had a moose head covered in bras, donated once a year to the local women's shelter. Uh, amazing. And posted photos of the bra owners flashing their tits behind the bar. <laughs> Definitely not minor friendly. Because of Seattle liquor laws, the bars would close from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and all the drunks would funnel over to the diner side for tater tots and cheese curds. Uh. What a magic magical place in some respects. Once a year, we would close for 12 hours to deep clean which didn't really get rid of the classic grease and beer smell our longtime regulars would comment on with affection as the hostess i was basically the brunch bouncer having to corral the many hungover slash still drunk folks that would flock to us for pancakes and bloody marys if anyone mentioned that time guy vietti ate with us we jokingly told them to get the fuck out but we're kind of serious <laughs> I have many stories of my time at that place, but my favorite that happened while I worked there was the time that Roach, our night bouncer, refused entry to Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine and some of his friends simply because we were at capacity. Tom tried to lay on the charm and requested a private room, but the five point is the size of a shoebox, so the only private room they would have been able to get would be the urine-splattered men's room. <laughs> When he didn't get what he wanted, he threw a tantrum on his Facebook page <laughs> that we uh, started referring to as egg gate. Our manager thought it was hilarious and put eggs against the machine on our billboard. Oh, it's so funny. Uh. And then she posted a lot of articles about the instance, which we will repost. Uh, Godspeed and good tips. I keep meaning to write about my experience as a bartender in Ireland, just so I can hear you guys try to do the accent. Oh, yes, please. Uh, Sonnet. That one's from Sonnet. Oh, fudge. That's a great story. I'm telling you, these poorly behaved members of Rage Against the Machine throwing their little late night egg tantrums. I told you I was in a spin class with Zach De La Rocha. And I mean, after, yeah, after a certain time of night, they're just bulls on parade. Uh, uh, I'm going to say that. <laughs> he was, yeah, he left the class early and interrupted it. And the um, after he walked out, the spin instructor was like, that was rude. Did something crazy like that. But so I've, I've always been like, he was raging against his stationary bike. You know what I'm I mean? Saying? It is a machine when you think about it. Oh, boy. Oh, this no. type of diner is chaos, but I'm so glad they exist. I'm so so glad institutions exist like this. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I mean, there is nothing equivalent 
it's this is not LA for me, you know, like it's all New York and Chicago. These were my, I would have either worked at a place like this or you could find me there um, after a <laughs> night of comedy and revelry and what have you. So this place, I mean, I'm sure it's still there. It didn't sound like it is. Got, we'll have to research this. So Katie, oh, I'm we, sure it's still there. We have a running list of all the places we want to attempt to do a live show once quarantine's up. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I think this is on the list for yeah. Seattle, even yes. though it's a tiny little spot. Oh, the Five Point Cafe. Uh, yes, please. This also reminds me of I love it when things are two things. And for me, it, it, Chicago liquor stores that are also have bars attached. To them. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Um, okay. So this is a little, this is a little lengthy, but I think it kind of feeds into some of the topics we're going to touch on, um, with you, Katie, in a little bit, kind of talking about <clears throat> the differences, uh, when it comes to being, you know, gendered, uh, as female working in the service industry and mm. obviously different trials and tribulations when you're a server versus a chef, but they all f- come from the same shitty place. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So this was, written in by our longtime fan and friend and listener and now business owner and cook. She's amazing, but Midwest nice makes. Hello, girl. So here we go. She says, hello, my sisters in serving and badass podcast network havers. That's a great. She says, it's been over a year since I've had to sling plates, switch kegs or deal with asshole customers. Hell yeah, girl. She said, I had almost forgotten about how terrible it could be until a fateful trip to the local car dealership where I ran into possibly my least favorite customer in all of my 13 years in the service industry. (laughs) She goes on, let's call him Chris, his real name, because he does not deserve (laughs) anonymity. I encountered Chris during my time managing a bar at a local brewery. It was busier than normal Saturday. I was alone behind the bar and he was with a group of his shitty friends. Boy, I'm sure Chris had (laughs) shitty friends. I don't doubt that. The bar was L-shaped with the cash register on one end, the taps were the two sides of the L connected in the corner and seating all along both sides. I'm secure enough in my serving abilities to toot my own horn about being able to handle my shit during busy shifts. I could definitely cash out one customer, pour two beers for another, and start a tab for a third, all in a few smooth movements. Hell yeah. Right? I was a well-oiled machine behind that bar. My boss, coworkers, and regular customers knew it. They also knew not to get in my way when I was in the Mm. zone, air quotes, and that if there was an empty glass or a customer waiting, I almost certainly already knew about it. Thank you very much, right? Which is how I knew I would need to get Chris another beer after cashing out one customer's card, giving change to another and grabbing clean glasses from the sink. I planned my attack and made all my movements on autopilot. I stopped in front of his glass, smiled and asked, can I get you another one? Uh, yeah, if needed one for a while. Maybe if you spent less time squeezing into those pants and more time serving your customers, you'd be a better bartender. He replied with a smirk. Oh, flirty, Chris. Um, I know. Wow. Okay, she goes on. Here we go. Now, now, this statement made me furious for a few reasons. One, I looked fucking adorable in my pants. Mm -hmm. My whole outfit, actually. I had paired my standard work issue tee that I cut the neck and sleeves off of with a pair of white and blue checkered jeggings, red lipstick and hoop earrings. Very Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz meets J-Lo. Okay. (laughs) I enjoyed Saturday night shifts and often took the opportunity to dress up. Fake it till you make it. I like to believe. Number two, I'm an awesome bartender and server. In all my years in the service industry, I have only had a handful of complaints, none of which were about my speed of service and all which were about my smart mouth. (laughs) That's how you want it to be. Number three, this motherfucker was wearing a wedding ring. He had somehow managed to trap a woman into an eternity with his arrogant, sexist ass. (laughs) Number four, none. And I mean, none of his friends said anything or stood up for me. I was Mm. clearly swamped, but still cooking ass. And they all knew it as evidenced by their full glasses of beer. Okay, so for a split second, I was in complete shock and then complete outrage. My smart, my smart mouth took off before my brain and I let him have it. 
Yeah. I know. I know. Now, I don't know Amanda's voice, so I'm not going to do a shitty impression. I'm going to read this as Bruce Just feel it. Feel the character. <laughs> feel the lines. Okay. How dare you? I don't deserve that. You have no right to comment on my body like that when I am just doing my job. He interrupted me at that point saying it wasn't meant to be a compliment on how you looked. Oh, or a oh, gross. Ew. Ew. He's like, well, it wasn't meant to be a compliment on how you looked. He tried. Oh, cool. Okay. So now he's playing it off. When you, when you come back at someone, then now you're an ugly bitch or a fat bitch or, you know, that when you reject the advances, then they're like, I wouldn't fuck you anyways. Hate him. Chris. Chris, Chris, (laughs) you started this convo, Chris. All right. So he tried laughing it off while his buddies sat stone faced. Hmm. She said, I don't need your fucking compliments and I don't need comments, period. You're married. You have no right to comment on my body. I pray to God my fiance never speaks to another woman the way you just spoke to me. At that, he finally looked sheepish and his friends were all shocked and impressed. I was too, to be honest. (laughs) I poured his beer, slammed it on the bar, told my boss what the asshole did and went in the back to cry. Because um, let's be honest, after that huge so output of yeah. rage and energy, it unfortunately does end in tears because it's it's just so unnecessary. So mm. anyways, and he fucking interrupted her flow. Fuck this guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fucking Chris. Right, Chris. Okay, even writing it now, I'm shaking with rage. I've endured creepy comments from even creepier men plenty of times. I've brushed off so many weird come-ons, including, but not limited to, the time a guy saw the butter tattoo on my forearm and went, ooh, butter, slippery, while maintaining full eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) But this one just really struck a chord with me. Of course, it didn't help that this dill dill hole had been in the brewery before wearing horrible racist and offensive pro-Trump paraphernalia. Gross. She's like, I should have known he was trouble. Mm. Thankfully, the story has a hilarious, if not happy ending. After crying it out, I collected myself, told my boss I would never be serving him again and went about my shift. A few weeks later, he came in during a slow lunch, sauntered up to the bar, hands raised, promise to behave this time with another shit eating grin. Oh my God. Chris, I smiled in return, told my boss I wasn't serving him and walked into the back. I called my then fiance, now husband, Seth, who miraculously had the day off and was only 10 minutes away. He's back, I said. Seth arrived in about five minutes. Wow. When I saw all six foot three inch, 300 pound corn fed farmer, motorcycle riding, (laughs) long beard having of my betrothed come through the door, I knew it was safe to come out of the back. I hugged him, kissed him, and got him a beer. He walked over to Chris, who already looked a little nauseous, and <laughs> leaned down so only the three of us could hear. Chris or her, uh, Seth said, if you ever speak to my fiance that way again, I will unscrew your arm and beat you with it. Was all Seth said before <laughs> moving to the other end of the bar, taking a seat and ordering lunch. Oh, good God. Okay. And that's all he had to say. Chris spent the rest of his lunch trying to avoid eye contact with Seth and trying not to cry, uh, you know, by the looks of it. He silently ate, paid his bill and left with his tail between his legs. Good. And the rest of my time there, I never encountered him again. And thankfully, up until last month, I hadn't seen him around town. It should come as no surprise that when we entered the car dealership at the same time, he wasn't wearing a mask while Seth (laughs) and I were. Too bad, too, because if he had his face covered, it would have been way less obvious when he noticeably paled after making making eye contact with first me and then Seth. (laughs) It could have been my imagination, but he may have also clutched his arms together when Seth got closer. (laughs) I'm proud to say that I married a man who stands up for me for other women and doesn't think he's too manly to wear a mask. Thanks for reading this email. I know it was long. What can I say? I'm a middle child who loves a captive audience. Hello, <laughs> sister. Keep, keep up the great work. Godspeed, good tips, and good health. Amanda. And P.S. Gentle reminder to all who listen to wear a mask when going through the drive through mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. The person in the window deserves just as much protection as anyone else. Your open car window doesn't prevent the spread of COVID. Hell yeah. Yes. Woo, she does it Mama. again. We haven't heard from her in so long. What a great fucking story. Such a good story. Fuck Chris. Fuck, Fuck Chris. Chris. That's our takeaway. There is yeah. no other takeaway other than don't be a Chris, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck all the Chris's in the world. Thank you. I just I mean, I imagine Chris has a Karen haircut. That's how I'm imagining him. So 
Fro- <laughs> frosty crisp tips. Frosty crisp- tips, Chris. Crispy tips. Um, if you guys have stories, as always, you can submit them to sideworkpod at gmail.com. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Let's get into our topic of the day, which is welcoming our guest, Katie Osuna, and talking about her podcast, Copper and Heat, the origins, you know, that built to her becoming uh, an audio mogul. Oh, uh, building shit. A, I know, building a small <laughs> empire. I don't know about that, but... Oh, I, it's happening. It's, it's happening. <laughs> we say so. We say so. But, um, yeah, I feel like what's really fun is, like, since we haven't had a lot of opportunities because of busy life and a pandemic and not being in the same state, we haven't had mm. much of an opportunity to just hang. So we would love to kind of know about how you got started in this business, what kind of sparked your interest in the world of, you know, culinary expertise and becoming a chef. Damn. Yeah. She's like, fuck. Okay. Where do I, <laughs> she's like, where she's like, it's it. She's like, it's in the podcast, asshole. Just listen to my podcast. Just listen to the fucking podcast. No, it's not in the podcast, really. I, God, I mean, I have a pretty typical story in that, like, my family loved food. I have, like, an Italian-American family, and they all love to eat and talk about eating it. We talk about it all the time, and we're always planning what we're going to eat next. <laughs> so that's, like, the typical side of food. Um, but I think how I got into like the culinary scene. I like really wanted to be a landscape architect when I was in high school. Interesting. I don't yeah. really know why. <laughs> I don't remember where that came from, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a landscape architect. And then somehow that morphed into, mm, I'm going to work in agriculture, which then eventually morphed into, I'd rather cook food than grow it, but maybe do a little bit of both. So <laughs> I don't know. It kind of was a roundabout way. I like started out in college working on some cheese farms. That's how I ended up in Italy. Oh, drinking nice. a lot of coffee. Oh <laughs> cheese my. farms? Cheese what? farms. <laughs> like goat cheese farms. Um, wow. Yeah, because I studied anthropology in college. And so oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, you know what I really want to do for my senior thesis? I want to find a way to eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you need right? to mentor these seniors and their cheese the cheese truck. I know. I, no, it's a brilliant idea. They really, they really got to do it. If they ever listen to this podcast, hit me up. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make a connection. We're, yeah. we're, that's good. Make right? it real tight with some 17 year olds. So. so how old was a cheese farm you were working on? Um, so there was one in Idaho, like the senior thesis was like, I'm going to compare what it looks like to make artisan cheese in like Idaho, which is where I was from small town in Idaho and a small town in Southern Italy in Calabria. So the one in Idaho was celebrating like it's 25th year. I think 30th year is this one woman, Karen Evans, who was running it fucking badass. I love Karen. We're still like great friends. She was in her, 60s at the time I don't really know but um she had just lost her husband to cancer and so she was running this thing by herself just like and badass milking 70 goats a day like twice a day and like making cheese with like the help of like one other person and it was just awesome fucking love Karen she's a badass um but then the one in Italy it had like the business itself had been around for I don't know I don't know how long but not very long but the family had been on the land for like I don't know, a thousand years or something like forever, literally forever. And they like, so I lived, um, I did that woof program, the worldwide opportunities on organic farms. So like, I just lived there and worked for free and then they like fed me and it was just like, it was a wild experience. And yeah, I mean, Italian, Italian men are the worst, first of all, um, or at least (laughs) some of them, some of them are the absolute worst. A lot of Chris's, but but they're, but they're like, Christopher, who really like to, uh, pretend that American girls have like a soft spot for Italian men. Anyway, that's beside (laughs) the point. Um, 
yeah, so they'd been there forever and it was awesome. And I loved making cheese and eating cheese and drinking coffee. <laughs> and eating lots and of shitting my pants. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Beautiful. So then, so yes. then you did the anthropology, you did the cheese thing. And then were you just like, yep, time to cook food. I'm like, in, I'm entering into this world. Yep. I, I got back at the end of the summer and went and interviewed uh, for my first job in a kitchen. Cause I was just like, I really want to see what that's like. So then I got a job as a line cook. Um, was this in Idaho? Yeah. You were back this is from in Idaho Italy. Still, yeah, okay. In Boise. Um, yeah. So that's where I got my first, first job as a line cook was the what type woman. of, what type of restaurant was it? Uh, it was this place called Bruforia and they were like a beer store purely like beer kind of place. And then they'd had like gastropubby kind of food. And I mean, they were doing some like fun, interesting things for Boise. Cause like Boise, um, I mean, people just like burgers and pizza there for the most sure. part, Sure, <laughs> especially like, I don't know, this was like 10 years ago. Um, so, but the chef was like, I'm going to do different stuff. I'm going to do some really cool things. And I was like, hell yeah, I love your food. I'm going to go work for you. Um, and he was just like a really cool dude. Um, I really liked him, but during, during my interview, he's like, um, you're going to be the only woman FYI, like right. you'll be the only girl. So like, yeah, you just better be able to handle it. And I'm like, yeah, I can handle it. Fuck you. I can handle it. I didn't say that, but that was what was going on in my head. But that was the first like introduction into line cook world. <laughs> Was it, was it a good introduction? Did you, or were, did it, you know, did you feel out of place? Were you made to feel out of place? This is the thing. I, all throughout college, this, this is kind of in the podcast, but not as much, but like, um, I had always kind of had that like attitude of like, I'm not like other girls. I'm going to be um, like one of the guys. I'm going to hang yeah. out with the guys and, you know, totally. do that whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you quickly realize how like un- untenable it is. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's, like, mm, this, it's exhausting. And it's just like, wow, this is just not okay. <laughs> this is not an okay thing for me to like be sexism basically on myself and to every yeah. other woman. Like what's Absolutely. wrong with being a girl? Um, so that was, I still kind of had that attitude. And so like, I got along with the guys that worked there really well. I really Mm -hmm. liked hanging out with them, but as I kind of moved through that and, um, started thinking about things a little bit more, I was like, Hmm, this is uh, (laughs) a, Hmm, maybe maybe that shouldn't be the way that I think about things. But at the time I was still kind of just like, yeah, I'm going to fit in with the guys and be one of the guys. I completely, I completely, um, sorry. I completely excuse that attitude and understand it. I think as long as hopefully at some point you don't continue to be that woman, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like women like that sort of like probably stormed the Capitol, you know, like, you just don't want it. They're the ones that are like, it's just locker room shenanigans exactly excuse all that shit excuse all that nonsense to be like no no, you can actually although it's not easy like they say in politics you can walk and chew gum where you can of course get along with male counterparts and do the male job but still retain your dignity as a woman which is you know or woman and identifying which you know we're 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 doing our part here we're talking all the time and I know that we all kind of like leaned in the, into this when we were young, um, mm. that we see like keeping up with the guys and being a part of it is like, <sighs> I mean, we coming to their level to be like, they have this opportunity and like they get more opportunity and like being like, I can handle it. I'm part of this group. I'm fucking equal. It's like when they should all be fucking coming to down to our level or up to our level. I don't yeah, even I know like, how to just, you know, know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I think that's what it is. I think it's, it's this enticement that they get more than we get. Is that what it is? You know, I mean, I'm just trying to like, kind of like break it down in my head about why I, I felt that way. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I can keep up with you guys. Whatever, let's fucking go. I'm not a girl. I, think, I can do yeah. it, you know? Yeah, it's like it's, it's just a really interesting time to be alive and to be women in our. I, I'm assuming you might be like late 20s, early 30s at this point, Katie. 30 exactly. Okay, Ooh. baby. Yeah. So you know, two decades. 
of women all speaking right now that we've been able to watch a lot of change happen in real mm -hmm. time. But say 10 years ago, it was just entrenched in mm -hmm. sexism and it was the normal thing and you just dealt with the culture. And so yeah. mm -hmm. that's why it's very exciting that you have a podcast that, you know, is exploring it and pushing back as with season one, which is be a girl, which is, you know, T totally all about what we are digging into girl. right now. Be a fucking girl, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, we talked about this in the podcast, but it's like, it's not just about women. It's right. like about everybody. Like right. be a girl is not an insult. Being quote unquote feminine is not right. an insult or it shouldn't be. Like everybody should be able to express full range of emotions without being called like some gendered derogatory term exactly or just just the idea that you know that men love to participate in toxic masculinity when it's mm -hmm. like that's not the truth you mm -hmm. know i think a lot of men if they had better leaders and better examples which we are continuing to see more of that would appreciate that a lot more and recognize like oh this is how i feel better being Mm -hmm. And, you know, the pressure's now off me to then punch down on a female because it makes the group and it keeps the status quo totally happy, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention, like, the there's a, definitely a caste system within a kitchen, you know, at <laughs> yes, the same time. Like, mm -hmm. there's different levels. Like, you've got your head chef. And it's like, and that's the person who is setting the standard for whether or not this is going to be a toxic, disgusting workplace or a happy, like, jovial workplace where everybody's equals and ideas are open and we're, you know. And that's the problem, right? Is mm -hmm. is, is I feel like chefs these days, males specifically, it's it, it there's God complexes, <laughs> you know? And that's really what it I'm is. Sure, I'm like, I'm sure she's never encountered any of those. Never, never, never ever, never. I mean, have you? Would you want to speak to that? Like, you know, things you've had to go through, or the stumbles you've had to, you know, overcome, or you know, I'm sure you've worked for men and and women in the kitchen. Well, even if you don't mind repeating, what's you know, in episode one is, uh, was this training in France, basically, where you were in a kitchen. And you I'm were trying to remember episode one. Oh, oh sorry, God. no, no worries. But you were you you were an all male program, and the chef didn't refer to you as like chef, but was like Ooh, oh, mademoiselle, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that was so. I was at the time I was working for Manresa, which is um, David Kinch's three mission star restaurant that's in Los Gatos, and right. so. For the 15 year anniversary, we did like a pop up series in France, and so he took the entire kitchen. And um, we went to France and worked in a few different restaurants and did some like fancy dinners and whatever. Um, <laughs> there's a documentary about it now, actually. Which oh, wow. Is oh. Really funny and bizarre. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So I was on the savory side, so I was the only female on the savory side. Um, and there were like pastry was um, at that time, I think only women. But um it was me and a bunch of dudes standing in the kitchen and another like it was after the dinner service. And this chef, this other chef from Paris, I think he also has a three Michelin star restaurant. And honestly, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> so that shows how much I care about who this guy is. Seriously. But everybody else was like freaking out because he was some really famous three Michelin star chef. That I was just like, OK, whatever. Um, but what really pissed me off was that he comes in and was like um, telling everybody like, oh, nice to meet you. He was like going around the circle saying, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And he gets to me and he goes, Katy, ooh la la. And I was just like. Oh. excuse me <laughs> and I just like I was standing between two of my friends and I just look at my friend Nick and he's like do you want me to beat him up for you and I was just like ha 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 no and you just like laugh I'm just like what can I do but laugh at it and be like wow that's stupid and bizarre but whatever but it was just like really <laughs> insulting because I'm like hmm yeah dead. right things things for making me fuckable okay. <laughs> in the classic French way asshole yeah in front of like a bunch of other people and like I should and also you had, mention the yeah, you had just nailed a dinner dudes. shift with them I'm sorry yeah. I just cut you off oh no you're totally fine it was just a bunch of other like it was a bunch of 20 something dudes in France and like I will say this working or at least being in kitchens in France versus here it is better here yeah <laughs> what from what I've been able to tell I mean there's at least 
And maybe it was specifically Manresa compared to some other more traditional restaurants here in the U.S. Because like that, I did have a pretty decent experience there. So, but it was just like a... Mm. I mean, you're also going there to learn and get your ass handed to you. You're learning like classic technique and you're learning to make your fucking sauces Mm. and you're, you're probably not getting paid a lot like Mm. everybody else. And Mm -mm. you're just doing the best goddamn job you can, like every other peer. And then to fucking be put in a situation like that. Or not even like learning, like she's, she came over from the U S from a Mm well-represented, you know, respected restaurant. So it's like, we're, I'm already established, bitch, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. But yeah, you're still there, like learning their methods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, I can't, and I won't, I will not go off on this, Andrea, but I just can't begin to explain to you how I feel like we've had very similar paths of, of me being a, you know, a standup comedian Mm. and being one of three out of a sea of like 150 comedians total when I started in Chicago. And I mean, Mm. we were unicorns and nobody could figure out how to treat us. And it was like, how about just treat us like another comedian? Yeah. This is crazy. I, I would either be mocked, objectified, pointed out. Like it, it just was like, yes, there are times when you, you do sort of like, you know, our friend Amanda here handling her shit at the bar and Mm -hmm. all it takes is like one male completely undercutting your fucking existence Yeah, that you can't always respond with toughness and you have to go walk out back and cry. Right. Yeah. And I don't rely on tips. Like that's a whole other system. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought this up, Brooke, because Honestly, any industry you say, you can just be like, insert industry here and we could (laughs) dissect how, you know, the male, like toxic masculinity, males taking hold, women not being like considered equals is affecting that industry and how things are changing, but they're still changing. And now what, how do you represent gender, you know, wise? Like that's all, that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think- there's a lot that we face, you know, very gender specific problems. Um, I know I was going to say, I'm like, we can go into in a minute more about like what you are trying to address and solve with the podcast. But it's like you just saying like, yes, we are different. It doesn't mean less, but women and women identifying absolutely have special needs. And Andrea and I were like, we don't think we could do a whole episode on this, but we were like (laughs) being on the job while you're dealing with PMS and then actually having a period is like, it's legit. Yeah. 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 When you're slammed on the line on a busy Saturday night and you're just like, oh, I'm bleeding all over myself and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And you like, can't even take bathroom. Like that was the thing during service. Like I, we started at like five 30 and it was nonstop until 10 30 at least. It's just like, Nope. All right. Cause I'm just gonna hope that everything's okay. Hope I don't bleed all over everything. Yeah. You gotta love the, I mean, I know you don't wear white pants in the kitchen, but you know, like, <laughs> but it's like, thank God they were black. <laughs> I know. Thank God. Exactly. And you know, to take that, just the, like where you're like, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm as tough and as capable, but mm-hmm. we also have very real maladies that are mm-hmm. clinically and physician recognized as you're terribly uncomfortable while you're yeah. going through all the symptoms of, you know, having your period, having menses, if you will. Some women are bedridden. It's goddamn, it's the truth, especially if you have endometriosis, if you have mm-hmm. polycystic um I forgot what fibroids, any of that. There mm-hmm. are just so many reasons that you really are. You're actually putting in a hundred and like 50% when you show up for the job yeah. and yeah. pushing your way through cramps and yeah. And pushing yeah. your way through like toxins running through your body. Or, not to mention even yeah. or when you're not on who, first of all, if you're not dealing with any of this, if you have a bad attitude in the kitchen, guess what the first thing a man's going to say to you? <laughs> are you on your period? On your period princess. You're also saying like a customer going out of their way to be rude or torment you three other weeks out of a month, I'm usually able to handle it. But you catch me on the night when you literally have no 
there's just no bandwidth to take anything more, you know? Oh, and yeah. Those, you totally. don't, there's no control. There's mm-hmm. no control. So you either are going to do something to the detriment of them, you know, and get like written up, get a bad tip, get a bad review because you're like, I am not keeping my mouth shut this time, you know, or <laughs> you cook your own goddamn steak. <laughs> That's what I would yell. <laughs> you know, or that you because you're like, must not cry or yell or whatever, then you unravel inside. And then like the rest of your night of service could just, then you're just off and you're Mm -hmm. now you're out of the zone and all that. And it's so real. Yeah, totally. And like, for me, I already have anxiety normally. And then dining brings it like up a whole notch. And then the week before my period, I am just like unhinged. And it took me a long time to figure out like, Oh, this anxiety and depression is they, way worse. I gotta like make sure that I pay attention to that. I wasn't uh, be, paying attention to my mental health whatsoever. <laughs> no, because um the hormones will fluctuate with your cycle that can aggravate your anxiety and oh, your yeah. panic attacks. And mm-hmm. that is, I mean, I know this sounds dark. You are more likely to, you know, if you have depression issues, have a little more suicidal ideation when, because mm-hmm. I jokingly would call my cycle or the week before I'm like, here comes the darkness, you yeah. know? And some months we're like, okay, that wasn't too bad. Other months I'm like, all right, I got to, I need to do a PR tour of uh, apologizing, <laughs> helping, helping rebuild this small building I burned down, um, you know? And you're like, why does it look like I have permanent black eyeliner on at least one week a month? Like, <laughs> but, you know, and to yeah. just take that into an industry that like barely lets you go pee on a regular day and you need an extra minute to yeah. handle the stuff and the Get tools you need. To- I mean, this is a little bit of, this is more walk in decompression. These are the, that's what this calls for. Right. Head in that walk in, cool down, take some deep breaths. Yeah. Breath. But, you know, but it's, it just is the truth. Women, you know, we are, we are built differently in many ways. We can withstand more pain. We all know what it's like when we see our male partners or counterparts get a cold and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Hey, everyone. You You don't feel good today. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sorry. He's going to draw up his will. He's got a cold. And so he's going to draw up his last will and testament. Um, Oh, you have a cold, but you're still taking smoke breaks in the back also (laughs) with your buddies. Cool. Cool, Anyways, I know. That's a whole other thing, right? Is like whether we're actually physically built differently, women or people who are born women like that has also been used like against us right sure. and specifically against black women to like mm-hmm. do all sorts of crazy things so like crazy wild things i'm trying not to use the word crazy anymore as we're talking about mental health anyway, <laughs> i know yeah um, fair <laughs> so like it's it's also like a systemic i don't know built thing again another form of sexism so like it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's but, a whole thing. Getting back to Copper and Heat, though. So it sounds like, <laughs> was there like, was there a moment sort of in working in a handful now of these like, you know, highly, finely rated restaurants as a chef that you're, was the contest itself with the James Beard Media um, something that inspired you to put something together? Or was it a pers- like a personal experience that made you think, I can occupy this space and I haven't seen it done. I think it was, yeah, it was, it started out season one was just a personal passion project for both me and my partner because he wanted to do, he's like the sound engineer, does all the music and everything. And he loves that kind of thing. And I was like kind of blogging about things to make myself feel better because I just was like, everything's fucked up. I hate everything. (laughs) And He was like, we should just do a podcast because then you can like have these conversations with people instead of just like ranting to me about it. <laughs> Not that he minded me just ranting about it. He's like, totally. no, but also, also, Katie, I get it. He's like, hey, how about you podcast? Huh? Hey, you give old Ricardo else. a break. <laughs> I can't keep absorbing this, honey. <laughs> Stop putting yeah, your darkness exactly. on me. <laughs> don't, don't do it anymore. I can't handle it. Yeah. So that's where season one came from. But it was cool because I did have an opportunity. I talked to like some different women that I used to work with mm-hmm. and um, who I uh, different men who I used to work with or who were I was working with. And it was just like 
it was just really great to have some of those conversations and try and tease out some of the crap that I was thinking about every day as I was like peeling peas or whatever. And like, I, cause it wasn't any one thing that happened. Right. It was never like, Oh, this like really terrible thing happened to me. And like, I was extremely privileged and lucky that I never oh, was sure. like sexually assaulted on the job. Like so many right. women or femmes or like just people in general. And it was just more realizing like this system is not built for anybody that is not a white man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So like they have built this entire yeah system around them. And so it was more thinking about that and then just like trying to tease, tease that out in season one. And then the James Beard thing just was like, okay, maybe I should take this a little more seriously and do this more consistently and make it a real job. It's so cool. <laughs> and you know, I think what's really great too is, you know, just, which I'm encouraging like all of our listeners, you know, to give season one and then beyond that, you'll recognize the, cause season two is, is about the overhead. And then now season three is, is more the overhead in restaurants. And then season three is, you know, talking more about how you can build equity and make it a safe space for problem and con, you know, problem solving and conflict resolution, all these really cool life skills that, Many of us, if we came into the service industry at a young age and stayed in it, like we haven't had an opportunity to learn it elsewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, how to negotiate mm -hmm. fairly or to even know that we have rights. So there's, totally. I think there are three really distinctly useful seasons of your podcast. But oh, I think what's important too, yeah, is that in season one with Be a Girl, um, you know, you're very quick to spell out what we all recognize as women, but then quickly you know, have conversations, whether people are like, yeah, but you're even a tier above because you're a white woman, yep. you know, and to recognize that there is this trickle down system and that if you are going to just talk about your rights, um, and feminism and all that stuff, that it has to be a broad umbrella that makes sure to lift everybody up of all colors and races and backgrounds and sexual orientations. And cause yeah, we're all just kind of underneath this really overbearing weight of the white male system and economy that's been built. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. And like, that's going into season two and it's like, I don't know. It was just a really wild time that we did season two because it was all about like different economic and financial issues. Right. Because like while we were talking to people in season one, everybody brought up money. <laughs> everybody yes. brought up money because it is like it's just like a really shitty job. Yeah. <laughs> like even working in like a restaurant that's three Michelin stars and, you know, people are paying like a thousand dollars for two people like we were getting paid shit right <laughs> and it's just, that's just like how it is and again it's the system yeah like, they built absolutely. up absolutely so what anyway. i think is so great about copper and he is like our show you know we talk about experiences and we never run out of topics to talk about on side work, but like anybody who listens to it, who's been in the industry, it's so relatable. It's like, it's right back there. And I feel the same about copper and heat, but like at a deeper level where I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, but with my, my eyes so much more open than ever, no. um, which is great. And even thinking back to like the things that I saw that I witnessed that I stood up for that I, you know, even, it was hard to change things back then. It's still hard to change things now, but to have you out there as a voice and talking to people and hearing about change, like what are you seeing as far as change in the industry so far? Oh man, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, big question. I think I'm really glad that just more conversations are happening. Yeah. I was going to say people, first and foremost, yeah, transparency. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, I think the big one right now is just like, people need to start calling this shit out when they see it and thinking about things a little bit more deeply and not just thinking about things like me, how is this affecting me? But like, if we're going to be like one team, one dream kind of thing, like you should really believe it and really act that way, not just look out for yourself. And like, Absolutely. you know, people haven't called this out. And like, I didn't always call it out. Right. Like I was in that system and I was doing those jobs and I wasn't calling out the dudes that made stupid jokes or inappropriate comments. And, um, 
yeah, I, I'm really glad that people are starting to call things out, but also that there are more leaders who are actually trying to do things differently. And like you said, like transparency is a big one. Or just <laughs> the fact that like with your podcast, um, you being the person who's a calling this out and putting it in a like beautiful, <laughs> digestible, well thought out, you know, listening experience, then you're also platforming people who have a really different experience than, than you do. And that's, I think the whole thing we're looking at with all the racism in this country and equity and is like, if you're in a position to platform other people, that's really, really important. I think that's more of what I've been seeing in the last few years, mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, which is amazing. Or just even something like us being like, did you know that your server's a human? You yeah. know, here's yes. a podcast. Oh Absolutely. Yeah. Like for us to be able to amplify the voice of servers out there and, and make sure that they're standing up for themselves, right? Like we all just need to be doing this more. Yeah. Like this is a, a job and people like to think of it like not a real job. Like when are you going to go get a real job or whatever? It's like, that's bullshit it's bullshit. like whether or not it's a stopgap like it's still a real job and it's a lot of fucking work and it takes a lot of skill to do any of these things and i hate it hate it when i hear people say shit like that because it's just like have you done it do you know yeah. the toll that it takes on like mind and body like anyway i get real riled up about that um <laughs> katie so wild. Katie, have, have you have you ever waited tables? Have you ever bartended? Have you ever been on the other side? I haven't done bartending. I did front of house at Manresa for a bit. And then I worked at another place where I did front of house and kind of like went back and forth between the front and back. I love so it. I have done both. And that's that's a whole other thing, right? Like I know you guys were talking about this too, but like the front of house versus back of house thing, like stop it. We need to be working together. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, Trust me. We might say versus, but it's everybody's going to come together at the end. Don't you worry. We're all one big team. Uh -huh. One team, one dream. One team, one dream. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, cause you're wrapping up your third season and is there any hint you could give us? Are you already thinking about a fourth season? I have a lot of ideas. I don't, know what it's gonna be yet and I don't I'm just gonna say it because I can say whatever I want about my own podcast yeah you can um, <laughs> I speaking of like passing the mic and so I've been I've been producing this other show with um chef Prithi Mystery and they're in the Bay Area and um their big thing is like there's a lot of white folks who like run podcasts right there's a lot of mm -hmm. like white food podcast. So I've been thinking about that a lot over the last year. And I was like, should we do this for season three or not? I kind of want somebody else to host Copper. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't know how we would go about that because like the big thing is like, we're not making any money. Right. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to ask somebody to take on this have, huge have project. To, yeah. You have to be like, well, it's a passion project. <laughs> yeah. But the point being, I'm trying to figure it out for season four. Well, Katie, thank you for being here with us today. Everybody, please listen to Copper and Heat. Um, Katie's awesome. I think the show is incredible. We're so Thanks. happy you were able to be on site work today and <laughs> have you. some I crossover. Yeah, so much fun. If anybody has any ideas for season four, let me know. You both yeah. included. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, cool. Well, I feel empowered and excited. Um, uh, I'm thinking about what I want to eat for lunch now. Cause you were talking <laughs> oh, about yeah. a goat cheese farm. <laughs> <laughs> if Jeez. only there were a truck that would bring me goat cheese. If only. <laughs> if only. Oh, I, um, I would also chase that truck down. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. guys, well, we're going to wrap up and talk to you next week. And until then, you know what we say. Godspeed. And good tips. Good health, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.